Okay. Alrighty. Are we ready, my gals? Mm-hmm. I'm ready. Alrighty. Hello. We are here at Sun Sounds of Arizona. Oh, this, this isn't is me. supposed to be me. Oops. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, go for it, Don Tucker. <laughs> Hello, we are here at Sun Sounds of Arizona in Flagstaff, Arizona, and welcome to episode six of Untamed Shrews, Women Talk Theater. I'm Dawn. I'm Becky. And I'm Hannah. And welcome to today's episode. I am thrilled to say we are joined today by one of my very best friends, Caden Slam, an actor, singer, dancer, and songwriter who you may have seen on the Flagshake stage over the last few years. She wrote our adorable and extremely catchy theme song, and she will be playing Hamlet, Theseus, and Oberon in our upcoming summer season. Yay! We're so happy to have you here, Cadence. Uh, Can you tell us a little bit about yourself and your background? Yeah, sure. Um, first of all, I'm so excited to be here <laughs> with my favorite ladies. Um, I've been listening every month and I've loved it so much. Um, yeah, so I'm Cadence. I got my BFA in acting at Illinois Wesleyan, a minor in dance and psychology. <laughs> We're not going to talk about that, probably. Um, <laughs> we might. We might. We might. Um, I've been taking dance my whole life. I've choreographed professionally across the nation um and i've also been writing songs since i was six i think yeah (laughs) the i'll remind me to tell you about the first song i wrote um i learned first from my mom she was a singer actor dancer as well um so she was my first teacher for all of those things um Yay. And yeah, I'm so happy I found Flag Shakes through Dawn, who was my drama teacher in high school. <laughs> Just the funniest story. Yeah. So Dawn is definitely my first Shakespeare teacher. Wow. It makes me feel so old when you say that. <laughs> and I just can't, I just, it, it doesn't make any sense to me because like Cadence and I are the same age and I just would never think of us like so different that you could have been my teacher. Like, it really freaks me yeah, out. It's when so I strange. It it's kind of crazy, but you were a senior when yeah, I taught exactly. you. So it's exactly. not And like, you were young. You were a young teacher. Yeah, I was yeah. a young teacher. It wasn't like, you know, you were in eighth grade. Right, right. <laughs> <laughs> at least <laughs> but you have graduated college and then been working for years it mm-hmm. is kind of crazy to think about so yeah. well now I really want to hear about this first song yes. that you song? wrote so okay. please tell us <laughs> about the first song you wrote so this may not be the first song because I have found in really old journals um pieces of paper in which my mom wrote down before I could even write just little Aww. things and she would write down the chords for me um, oh my goodness cute. so cute they're they're completely nonsensical I'm sure. right like they yeah. make absolutely no sense um, but when I was six there was a competition a national competition that my school was involved in called the reflections competition and you could um, submit any type of art and songs were one of them, but there was a theme every year. So this theme was, I hold in my hand, dot, dot, dot. There's a Ooh. lot of like ellipses. I know. Huh. So I wrote this song. <laughs> I kind of cheated and I said, I hold in my hand some clay. And then I had the clay turn to fur 
so that people would stop poaching animals. I turned it into suckers so that people would stop smoking cigarettes. (laughs) Food for the hungry. Like, basically what a six-year-old thinks all the problems are of the world is what I wrote this little song about. (laughs) And then the next... I know. know. It's so sweet. (laughs) Yeah. I also, like, kind of had a lisp back then, so it was just really cute. I didn't know you had a lisp. Yeah, I just I had like a little bubble in my mouth. Yeah. The next year I wrote a song about getting my hair brushed. So yeah, that's how it started. Cute. (laughs) Okay, so you have been writing forever. I want to know how you wrote our song because I literally was like, okay, Cadence. I need, I think I called it a boop to boop. Yeah. (laughs) I was like, I need it about this long. And I was like, do, 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 or like whatever. I like (laughs) specify the amount of seconds, not with actual seconds. And was like, I want it to be like that. (laughs) But it gave you absolutely nothing. So where did you, it's so fun. It's like, I'm so glad you like it. Meets hip hop. That is, I mean, that's silly. It's a real bop. Thanks, you yeah. guys. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, that's exactly what I thought was I wanted to have kind of a renaissance um, period-esque flair to it to bring in, you know, what people think when they think Shakespeare. Um, I'm sure I'm actually wrong historically. Like, I, I didn't do the research, but um, <laughs> but I also wanted it to be modern and fun. Um, so I listened to a lot of, um, that kind of era and I got the idea of, I just could hear those scales, you know what I mean? Um, so then I played around on the piano and found the melody and then I knew I wanted it in like a harpsichord kind of vibe mm-hmm. and then with a beat to it. So that's basically it. Cause I knew I wanted it to be the mesh that you guys are working on here. Totally. Yeah. 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 I think I used the. The phrase raucous. <laughs> I was like, I want us to be raucous and untamed. <laughs> That's what we got. <laughs> Fun. Awesome. Well, tell us maybe a little bit more about like your actual songwriting more day to day, like all the stuff that you've worked on. That's not just our little ditty. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, I've realized that songwriting for me is kind of twofold in terms of its purpose And it started out purely as just a way to process things, you know? It's kind of like my version of journaling. I remember the first time I ever fully felt that, I wrote some song about a boy when I was 12, right? It's like basically that song the Jonas Brothers do, Pushing Me Away. Does anyone know that one? No. I basically wrote that song again. (laughs) It wasn't great. But when I finished the song, I remember the moment I finished it just feeling like, oh, I feel great now. Like that, that problem is, uh, I've worked through that. Um, which as a 12 year old was like, is much easier to do because the problem was way less complicated than my mm. problems now, uh-huh. now as an adult. But, uh, I still feel that, you know, it's a good way to process through something, understand my feelings. Mm. Um, and then also to share those is a whole nother thing. Like sharing with someone, a song I wrote is like a very vulnerable exercise in that and in like just um, connection with another person because all my songs are like really angsty and, <laughs> you know. Um, but then 
the other side to it is just the craft of songwriting. I've tried, I've been trying to do that more so that I'm writing more than just when I feel like I need to write, you know? So sometimes I'll be like, oh, you know what? I haven't written a fun song on the ukulele. I want to write a fun one on the ukulele. And so I, you know, try to challenge myself by just writing the song instead of having it come from an experience. But my favorite way to write is definitely from an experience. Yeah. Yeah. Wow, that's great. Um, Cadence, could you talk a little bit more about what your process is like for when you're preparing for a role such as Hamlet or Theseus and Oberon or kind of any time um, you're starting to work on a new production? Oh, totally. Um, That's a great question because it's different every single show. I don't know if that's the case for you guys. Some things are the same, especially for Shakespeare. Um, So I'll write out all of my lines and then I'll write out the paraphrase for all of them and then I'll scan them in my script and I'll write out my cues um, and then I'll go through. I memorize a whole bunch of different ways. I listen to my lines. I look look over them. I practice with someone else. Um, I say them out loud, of course. But in terms of uh, finding the character, I really, it really varies. Sometimes I journal as my character. Sometimes, I don't know if you guys had these like in college, but um, I've got various kind of worksheets that just have various questions about your yeah. character. And like I like the, the Hagen. Or... Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. Um, so I've got a couple of different um, versions of that. My favorite are the abstract ones, though. The ones that are like, what type of animal is this character? What type mm-hmm. of texture? What color? You know, I don't know why, but the thinking about a character abstractly really works for me. Um, so I typically do those. I've also done, <laughs> once I played um, Aunt Spiker in a version of James and the Giant Peach, <laughs> and I kept getting the note, and this is a note I get a lot, that I smile too much. Mm. It's because both I have a lot of mouth tension and because <laughs> I like to be nice. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> yeah. which is great in normal life, but it's awful when you're trying Playing to become Aunt another. Spiker. Yeah, exactly. And I play it like a lot of. I've played a lot of evil characters because I'm like five ten. You know what I mean? That's just that just happens. Um, so I was getting that note a lot. And I decided a way to deal with it was to make Aunt Spiker obsessed with not getting wrinkles. And so she just like wouldn't move her face much. And in order to really get into that, I researched skincare, <laughs> which turned out great because then I got my own skincare routine off of it. But I got like really excited about it. Me. Um, but so sometimes I'll do something weird like that. Um, where I just feel like, you know, my character would know exactly what vitamin C serum and retinol is doing to her face, you know, and little, little, um, I've heard it said, those are secrets that you have, Mm -hmm. you know, as your character. Um, I think those go a long way for me because they're kind of like an endless bucket to pull from. Um, and And it can help you justify some of those like problem areas sometimes like if you have something within your character that like you either just don't identify with or understand like you know hannah would be like oh well that doesn't make sense to me but then if you come up with some something like that like the the skincare thing then it's like oh i've come up with a solution for myself as an actor of how to solve that problem because you know normal hannah or cadence or don or becky would be like oh well like i would I would never have a problem with that or that wouldn't be something I would need. But if you find yourself a way to like jump into it, 
then, even if it's silly. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. Um, that's one of my favorite parts of acting is you have to, you know, we're using ourselves and you have to know when something's going to work for you and when something's not. And I knew just thinking, don't smile, Cadence, was not going to work for me. <laughs> so I had to come up with something creative and something else I could think about and work with. Um, mm. Yeah. How about for Hamlet specifically? Have you discovered anything super exciting so far? Obviously, <laughs> Hamlet's Hamlet. So like, wow. Oh, my God. There's probably <laughs> so much to just mine out of there. But yeah. I mean, yeah. You know, um, I'll keep it a little vague just because we're so early in the process. Yeah. Just for um, those humans out there, we haven't even begun rehearsals. So yeah. we literally start in like four or five days. Yeah. So we're close, yeah. but we haven't actually begun. Yeah. Um, but then I, by the time people are listening, we'll true. be almost getting ready for opening. You're right. Oh, my God. Because this, ca- this will come ticket. out in a oh month. My yeah. Goodness. When you hear this podcast, you can buy your <laughs> ticket. Marketing plug. Come see Hamlet and A Midsummer Night's Dream the two weekends after the 4th of July at the Fort Tuttle Amphitheater. Okay, back to regularly scheduled programming. Marketing director, go. <laughs> We haven't even built like a ticket link yet, so don't quote us. But by the time this podcast comes yeah. out, we better have we a better. ticket You're link. Right. <laughs> That's on me. So, <laughs> anywho's back to oh, Hamlet. Yeah, what are you feeling? What are you thinking? You know, um, yeah. What am I feeling? Is a great question. <laughs> <laughs> Overwhelmed. So much. I'm feeling so much. Um, like, ex- just I'm ecstatic, right? Like, of course. This is a dream role that, especially as a woman, is very hard to come by. Mm -hmm. Um, And I wouldn't be surprised if I had never gotten to play this role in my whole life. Mm -hmm. So the fact that it's happening now is truly a dream come true. And because of that, both incredibly exciting and incredibly daunting Mm -hmm. because everyone knows this role so well and um, could probably quote half yeah. of it yeah yeah like even you know I know people that the moment I tell them I do Shakespeare they're like oh yeah yeah to be or not to be <laughs> and I'm like yeah nice yeah that one um <laughs> so everyone knows some of these lines um so it's a lot of pressure you know but you kind of have to shove away the imposter syndrome because mm-hmm. we know that just doesn't it doesn't help Mm-mm. um but at the same time, like uh, feeling daunted and the pressure, I also want to like run a mile. <laughs> you know what I mean? I'm just like so excited to just like do the thing. Yeah. Um, yeah. Because there's so much to work with. I um, some some aspects of Hamlet I'm most excited to explore are. Am I allowed to cuss? Yes. Yeah. I am? Yeah. Okay. It is called untamed. Uh, oh, we're, we're untamed. We're untamed here. here. <laughs> oh, man. So the whole aspect of Hamlet that he just does not give a single fuck. Yeah. What people think about him. I love that. And that's something I'm always trying to have in my own life. Um, and just, just like... <laughs> That type of being unhinged, you know, and then there's the whole question, like, how mad is Hamlet, right? Mm-hmm. I don't even know if we want to get into that. But um, to me, there's definitely just, a, you know, like, fuck you to, to the king and to Polonius and just a very vagrant, 
all of this shit has happened to me and um, I'm going to deal with it how I will. And he just doesn't care. Anymore. Yeah. And, and he's kind of, he's almost alone in that. So, yeah. I've always felt like he's situationally crazy. Yes. And that's what his line, you know, um, I am but mad north, northwest. <laughs> when the wind is southerly, I can tell a hawk from a handsaw. <laughs> yeah. I've always felt like what that really meant was like, of course, these circumstances are driving me crazy. Yeah. Yes. I mean, when have we not been in a, like, who has not been in a situation in their life that has made them behave in a way that they were later like, ooh, ooh. that was not, that was <laughs> not normal. <laughs> yeah, yeah, like that was an overreaction or like I would never have done said whatever yeah. that yeah. under like normal, normal circumstance. emotional circumstance. And I would say like, not only the death of your father, but then encountering the actual ghost of your father and Whoa. finding out that he's in eternal torture. Yeah. Would draw and that your uncle who married your mother is the one who killed him would drive anyone out of their mind. Absolutely. So I think yeah. that's where Hamlet is. He seems to seems to really pull it together when he needs to. And then other times <laughs> he's like, I can't like when I'm in the presence of Claudius, when I'm in the presence of my mom, like I can't keep my shit together yeah. because this is literally driving me yes. out of my mind. I'd go crazy. Absolutely. Yeah, for sure. And at the same time, he's so smart. Yes. And funny. Mm-hmm. So like the so snarky. Yes. Insanely <laughs> witty. His insults are funny. Yeah. They're so good. <laughs> They're so good. I was explaining them to one of my friends that like never reads Shakespeare at all. And I was just saying them in like layman's terms and she was dying because his comebacks are so good. Yeah. You know? <laughs> yeah. I love it. Yeah. yeah. Great character. So uh, you're playing Hamlet. You're also playing Theseus. And overall, <laughs> I love being a king. Yeah, love, love being, being a king. <laughs> so um, we should chat a little bit about gender bending in Shakespeare. Mm-hmm. Um, just for those out there, Cadence also just played both Viola and Sebastian <laughs> in our production of Twelfth Night. So yes, she did speak to herself on stage. <laughs> um, but we would love to chat. I think, I mean, I think all of us have probably played... Yeah. A gender bent character. Yeah. Um, Becky which, is also playing gender yeah, bent she, characters in yeah. the upcoming shows. Um, yeah. I am playing a female in these shows, but that's okay. I never get to play girls. <laughs> <laughs> um, so let's chat a little bit about gender bending, specifically in Shakespeare, but I think across it. I think that's something that Flag Shakes does without pause. I mean, mm-hmm. we gender bend all the time but for Mm -hmm. some people this is not necessarily like a normal thing so um what do you think do you have fun doing it what do you find it more difficult um yeah let's just chat about it I personally love it I think it's super fun yeah I definitely love it um Dawn I think it was either you or Christine that said something so pivotal to me when I did our Romeo and Juliet way back in the day. This is my first uh, experience with flag shakes. It was also my first professional gig, which was thrilling. Um, (laughs) And I was cast as Benvolio and Friar Lawrence. Uh And I, at first I was like, oh, there's been a mistake. Like I I was like, okay, well, they wrote the contract wrong or something, you know. Um, but then you, either you or Christine said, no, we just, you were right for the part. And that's why you got it. It's just you as a person fit the role better than anyone else. Um, and I've 
I've just took that with me. And I've heard, I've heard Christine say when we did the gender swapped Tempest, Mm -hmm. she said something similar, which was just, um, I don't think we need to overthink the gender of this that much. Um, I I think it only comes into play historically, you know, Mm -hmm. just the fact that sure in this time period, Hamlet would have had to have been a man because of the power he possesses. Um, I don't know. What do you guys think about that? I mean, it's really interesting because Christine is totally right. And she's brilliant on these issues. And I remember talking to her about that Tempest and her just saying, like, I'm not going to do a director's note or intro this. Like, I'm not going to talk about why I gender swapped the cast. Mm -hmm. It doesn't matter (laughs) that I gender swapped the cast. I just did it. (laughs) Um, And I really loved that. I thought it was it was quite brilliant. It really just gave more women opportunities in that show. Because if you do it the way it's written, there's one female part. Yeah. Um, and when you're trying to balance out a season, because our goal is always to do 50-50 mm-hmm. at least, um, when you're trying to balance out a season and you can take a whole play and flip it and give that many more roles to women than exist in a normal Shakespeare play, then great. But I think since then we've even expanded. And just like you said, why wouldn't you cast the best actor for the role? Why would it matter what their gender is? And because Shakespeare isn't alive to tell us differently, <laughs> we don't have to pay any attention. We've come, we've had trouble with other playwrights, and I think it really is troubling, especially in this era where we're really starting to discover that people don't feel binary about, like, they don't feel specific about gender. Not everyone is like, I'm this gender, I'm this gender. Yeah. Um, and not everyone identifies with whatever they were assigned gender wise at birth. So then it's like, then who is even determining if it's a male actor auditioning or a female actor auditioning? True. Because that gets really tricky. And I don't think it's for us to decide. And I don't yeah. think, you know, so I think that um, just looking at which roles people are interested in and looking at which role they'll play the best is the only way to go. But Hamlet, historically, has been played by women a lot. Yeah, Sarah Bernhardt kind of turned that around at the turn of the century. And unfortunately, she just got like, in the reviews, she just got slammed, like hmm. not for her performance, but for not being a man. And basically that was the all the reviews spent their time doing. What did it mean that she was a woman? What would it have meant if she had played, if this role had been played by a man? What would have the production looked like? Um, but someone had to like, make that breakthrough so that later on women could play it and really be evaluated on their performance, not on their performance as a woman playing Hamlet. Mm -hmm. Um, But we suspend our disbelief for everything. Like we know these two characters aren't brothers. They're not lovers. (laughs) They're not Hamlet. We we know so many things about the characters aren't true. That guy didn't just die. Like we know those things. So why can't we suspend our disbelief as far as, gender also sometimes like the actual gender of the i mean because obviously i totally understand if the gender is you know something pivotal to the character obviously that makes sense like if something around the story involves like specifically gender great yeah you but, can't change mm-hmm. you can't change tamara in titus she, gets she has pregnant. to have a baby exactly. <laughs> yeah. you know but um for example like all of the roles that i've played that were gender bent i mean i didn't 
play them as men. No. I just played them as a human mm-hmm. and with long hair and curves. Like I, you know, I wasn't like, we were like, okay, we need to bind Hannah and put <laughs> yeah. her hair up and under a hat and like that's really try to, to that's, that's crazy to me. To me. I'm like, yeah. yeah, just let, like I played Camillo. It doesn't yeah. matter if Camillo's a male. No. Camillo's just the right hand guy. Like, you know, gives, you know, just that person who's there to, you know, like it, it just needs to be, it needs to be who that person is. It, uh, to me, when we, when we, at least at Flag Shakes, when we gender bend, we never, re- we never change pronouns. We always just put the human on the stage, how they present. And that's fine. You know, like we're not going to, like with Viola and Sebastian, like we left your hair down. Yeah. We didn't like try to pretend that you weren't a, a woman. And that's going to be the same for Hamlet. Like you're just going to be cadence as hamlet yeah (laughs) and i think that that makes at least for me that makes more sense i I, it's tough for me when people try to like start putting beards on people (laughs) and like yeah like bind like i'd love to hear this story i didn't know that you've actually ever been like yeah pants rolls to the max multiple times you guys i won't uh, name where of course yeah uh, i'm shocked (laughs) (laughs) it's untamed i'm just kidding oh my god (laughs) Yeah, uh, to me, it's mostly a bummer because I think that speaks to how the production views the intelligence of their audience. You know what I mean? It's like, do we need to... uh, Yeah, it's exactly what you were saying. The audience knows that I'm a woman. Even these these situations in which I've been bound or like had facial hair put on me, um, I'm still (laughs) clearly a woman. Like... And in, in a lot of them, too, I was wearing pants in which, like, honestly, with this ass, like, there is no <laughs> hiding that I'm a lady. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so to me, it was just kind of a bummer that and, and I was made uncomfortable. I mean, as an actor, you're unfortunately part of the game is to just no matter what, like, do your job. Right. But I went out there knowing I was confusing for the audience and it wouldn't have been as confusing. Let's say they wanted to play me as a trans person or, you know, somewhere along that spectrum, then great. There's a purpose to it. That's what I was appearing as, you know, Mm -hmm. but no, they were trying to force me into looking like a man. Um, I think just purely for the look on stage, Mm -hmm. these were like directors and choreographers that were very into the overall aesthetic and things matching. And so if, because they didn't have enough male dancers or whatnot, you know, I had to step in and they for sure bound me, even though I still clearly was a woman. (laughs) And did you dance like a male role or did you like, I'm just curious if you like, we're still doing like female dance moves or was it like, I know that sounds silly, but like, were you still dancing? The lead or the follow? Yeah, were you like in a partner dance situation? Like, was it still pretty clear that you were a woman in the way you were dancing? Um, For those, no, I was dancing as a man. Okay, yeah, that's kind of arbitrary, but (laughs) yeah. Um, In one of them, I was partner dancing, and I was the lead. Um, Okay, gotcha. Yeah, I don't know. To me, it just it's more confusing than helpful for an audience and for the actor because I had to try and be like okay um (laughs) am I a man here or like yeah very confusing um but Becky you're playing Horatio this summer Mm -hmm. have have you gendered it before 
I have, yeah. And I was actually telling someone the other day, um, you know, that we had rehearsals coming up, and they're like, oh, who are you playing? And I go, Horatio in Hamlet. And they were kind of, like, surprised or taken aback. Oh, yeah. And I, I mean, I don't know for sure, but I think it was like, oh, but you're a woman. <laughs> yep. You're playing a man's role, air quotes, mm-hmm. um, in front of man's role. <laughs> um, but, yeah, I find pretty similar to Hannah that – when I am playing a traditionally male role, I'm still like, I want to wear a dress and I want to just like be me um, and not pretend to be somebody um, who I'm not, or maybe like pretend to identify as somebody who I'm, I don't identify with. Um, yeah. 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 I mean, yeah, I just, I've never had to physically play a male, so I can't like mm-hmm. identify with what you have had to do, but I've obviously like, played a role where I'm identified with male pronouns yeah and you know like that first rehearsal you're like oh right okay they're gonna call me he but I'm still just Camillo or Caliban (laughs) or whatever so I might be referred to as a he but like I'm a girl so that's the way it is yeah but that just must be so so strange to have to be like but I don't walk like a man so do I need to start doing that (laughs) I'm now obsessed with the idea of doing a full Shakespeare production where we just use neutral pronouns whoa like that would be so cool that would be interesting like just go ahead and give it a try because yeah we try not to change pronouns typically I have done it for a couple roles Mm -hmm. especially where I thought in the play we needed to hear she her more right. than we were <laughs> based on what Shakespeare had written Whoa. <laughs> but it'd be so cool to just like maybe we have to do that just as like a staged reading to begin with or something yeah. but it'd be so fascinating to take one of these plays where everyone has pronouns and just strip them out and yeah. see what it says to the listener or see what it says to the audience member to just hear it without any concept of you know forced concept of gender on the person so yeah, I'm obsessed with that now. I'm going to pick mm-hmm. a play yes. and I'll let you know. You don't do it. <laughs> but even know. like doing what we did, or I wasn't here with Black Shakes yet, but doing what Black Shakes did with The Tempest and like not doing a forward or a director's note. Mm-hmm. So it's like, yeah. The, the audience's attention isn't like immediately on that. It's yeah. just something that is like, oh. Oh, this is interesting. Oh, I wonder okay. if they'd even yeah. notice. Yeah, I wonder how long yeah. it would take them to notice. Truly. I found people at the end of Tempest actually saying like, oh, I just kept, but I kept forgetting that they were women playing men. And I'm <laughs> like, that's okay. <laughs> like, you did, but they seemed kind of upset with themselves. <laughs> like, they were like, darn it, I thought I knew Tempest better than I now. I <laughs> crack up. And it was like, yeah, that's fine. Yeah. <laughs> it's okay. I do, I like to the, I don't think you need to abstract, you know, gender wholly. Because I personally, I love using, just messing around with both my masculine and feminine mm-hmm. sides. And I mean, who knows what those what those words even really mean? But <laughs> I have a very vague concept of that. But um, for example, I cannot wait to play Theseus, you guys. I cannot <laughs> wait mm. because he's kind of a misogynist asshole. <laughs> and I think for a lot of people and theater people, that I've told I'm playing that role, they're like, huh, like I get gender swapping, but that's when I wouldn't have gender swapped because right. he's misogynist. And I'm like, oh, but you don't understand. I'm about to bring so much because I've like 
been the the victim of misogyny. Right. You know what yeah. I mean? So I cannot wait to just like throw that into it. <laughs> yeah. I and, feel like I know um, what it feels like. Right, right. Yeah. Well, I but I think, you know, the point you bring about it, like what does masculine side, what does feminine side bring mean? I think that's internal to every human. True. So it's yeah. whatever it feels to you. You know, like this feels like me being more masculine. This feels how I identify more feminine. And that doesn't have to be the same for everybody. Absolutely. So. Yeah. Yeah, I, I was just thinking about how it's not as though we're talking about stripping. When we say stripping gender, it's not like stripping those two different energies. It's just stripping like certain labels that society yes. put on uh, of, you know, defining them. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah. Well, guys, that's time. I have to do Is that the thing again. Aww. Oh, no. <laughs> how does it always happen? <laughs> we're, oh, guys, the age old, the age old Hannah sentence. We're almost out of time. Oh. <laughs> Um, but is there anything that you just want to leave with our audience just about, you know, being a young woman in theater or a dancer or a songwriter or something just you're excited about, about Hamlet or anything you want to leave, leave everyone out in the internet world with? Oh, um, (laughs) this is going to sound kind of cliche, (laughs) but, um, I, even five years ago, I never would have thought. I would get to play Hamlet probably ever in my life. Um, So ladies, especially, I mean, all of you young actors truly be yourself and discover what that is and what that means to you and cherish the hell out of that because that's what makes you special. That's what makes you castable. Um, That is that little gem that you bring to every single role. And if you can really define what that is for yourself and and continually be exploring it that is going to take you far and that's going to keep you passionate and um i think it's going to affect the most um in your audiences too yeah Yeah. and also a little tidbit of of advice out there if you're a really good human like cadence (gasps) you'll get recast because we love you (laughs) i love you guys no but seriously like really good advice just like be yourself, mm-hmm. be a good person, put your best foot forward, be a good friend and, you know, be a good um, person in the room and people yes. will want to work with you. Yeah. Like, you know, obviously you're incredibly talented, but so much of it is also Cadence is going to come. She's going to bring it. And she's also <laughs> someone that we can rely on that makes us laugh, who we feel comfortable around, all those things. So, Yeah. Thanks, we just dude. love you. I love you guys too. We're so excited. So I'm so excited to see you play Hamlet. Yeah, it's going to be amazing. I'm so oh. excited that you wrote us our silly little ditty. <laughs> Sometimes I just sing it <laughs> while I'm recording, especially because I have to, or not recording, editing, because yeah. I just have to listen to it a thousand I times. Bet. I bet. <laughs> yeah. And it just gets stuck in my brains. <laughs> well, guys, thank you so much for listening to this month's sixth episode of Untamed Shrews. I know, six episodes, guys. Yay. Crazy town. Half a dozen. <laughs> I'm Hannah. I'm Dawn. And I'm Becky. And join us next month for an episode with renowned Shakespeare director Jim Warren. Jim directed our production of Twelfth Night last December 2020 and is directing our upcoming summer 2021 repertory season of Hamlet and A Midsummer Night's Dream. Tickets at flagshakes.org. Shameless plug. And we'll (laughs) chat about founding Shakespeare companies, geek out uh, together on why we love Shakespeare and 
well, I'm scared for maybe even his love of sports. <laughs> oh, no. But we can't wait. <laughs> I heard Caden say, oh, no. Oh, no. <laughs> Jim's, Jim's always wearing his jerseys. <laughs> so funny to me. <laughs> you can follow Flagstaff Shakespeare Festival on Instagram at Flagshakes and on Facebook at facebook.com slash Flagstaff Shakespeare Festival. All episodes of Untamed Truths can be found on sundsounds.org. The Flagstaff Shakespeare Festival YouTube, Spotify, Google Podcasts, and Stitcher. Woo. This episode of Untamed Shrews starring Don Tucker, Becky Zaritsky, Hannah Fonts, and Caden Slam. Show art by Calliope Ludecker. Podcast theme song by Caden <coughs> Slam. <laughs> Podcast edited by me, Hannah Fonts. Special thanks to Gina Byers. Ooh. Yay, Gina. <laughs> Bye, guys. Bye. See you next Bye. time. Bye. <laughs>